Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast, Full Metal Pod. We will be talking a little bit today about episodes two and three, uh, The First Day and City of Heresy. I am, as always, Jason, and today we also have... How was your weekend, Jimmy? Yeah, I feel the same way too. I did a lot of sleep. Well, there's one wasn't a lot to do this weekend because of the smoke that we have out here in the Bay Area. So I just kind of chilled at home pretty much the whole time, watching TV, all that fun stuff. Well, uh, it's September coming up, so there'll probably be a lot on Netflix, so that'll be fun to try to hopefully catch up. I They always put out like a list of everything that's going to be streaming um, on all the different streaming services, and or at least what's coming and going from the different streaming services. And yeah, I just haven't looked at September yet, but there very well might be a, a lot of good stuff coming. can't go wrong there avatar and full metal they kind of go hand in hand a little bit a lot of similar themes all right well let's just jump into it we hope you guys caught up when the episode because uh you know spoiler alert we are going to talk about the episode so uh nothing nothing more to say there other than to get to it so let's talk about the first day so this episode actually starts with the manga and it actually has this kind of like intro where they explain the concept of equivalent exchange, the concept of human transmutation, stuff we kind of talked about on our last episode. But just to recap, they they talk about how the rule of alchemy is uh, in order to gain something, you have to sacrifice something of equal composition, equal value. One taboo is human transmutation that is trying to create life the reason is is there's no real equivalent for a human soul so it's a guarantee to fail and we learn more about this in the episode so let's recap real quick so this takes us to when the brothers were young about 10 and 11 ed being the older one at 11 and al being 10 they are uh looking through their father's library and learning a lot about alchemy uh, their father is out of the picture as far as we can tell at this point. Uh, they don't say it explicitly, but it is strongly hinted. They also will then uh, go and try to make like this little toy out of the wood in the ground. And they show it to their mom and their mom just encourages them to con- continue pursuing their knowledge of alchemy. Well, one day an epidemic sweeps through their area. And unfortunately, their mother passes away. The only parent that they have, the person that they rely the most on, desperate to have have her back, they try to learn the ins and outs of alchemy to prepare themselves for human transmutation. All the research that they've read has stated that it is impossible to do and that it is even taboo to try to do it. But the brothers are diligent enough or they just believe heartily that there has to be some kind of loophole. And if they can just figure it out, they can successfully pull off human transmutation. 
So they find all the elements uh, to make an adult woman's body, such as silicone, uh, silicon, sorry, sodium, water, uh, yeah, and all of that good stuff. And then they uh, also use their blood to kind of what they call the soul data. So I guess they figured their drops of blood would be the soul that they would use for the equivalent exchange. They try the alchemy, but unfortunately, alchemy fails, as was predicted uh, earlier in the thing. It is taboo. It can't be done. And it rebounds. Uh, rebound in alchemy is essentially when you try to give away something or try to get something more than what you give away. And human transmutation is always destined to rebound because there is no equivalent of a human soul. So the boys are then transported through essentially this eyeball that opens up in the floor and their body starts to kind of break down, which is a little weird. Then Edward all of a sudden finds himself in this giant white expanse. The only things there aside from himself are this big stone gateway, which is easily 20, 30 feet tall. And then a silhouette of himself as uh, kind of a, this weird white outline who has the same physical features as him in terms of arms length, but doesn't have any like facial features short of a mouth. The being introduces himself as truth, but then he uses other terms saying, some call me God, some call me the universe. He then opens the gateway behind Edward and these little tendrils come out and pull Edward into the gate. Edward is then flying through what looks like a black expanse with like a little stream of all of his memories. It's almost like a, like a picture stream, if you will. And he makes a comment about how he feels like all of the knowledge in the universe is being shoved into his head. He comes out the other side of the gate where he sees truth again. And he says, you know, Eureka, I think human transmutation is possible. I just saw it in the gate. All I need to do is get back into the gate and I can like tap into all the secrets. Well, he can't go through the gate again, and Truth takes his leg away. Apparently, the rebound effect of trying to do human transmutation is that you open the gate. In order to open the gate, you have to sacrifice a limb. Or you have to sacrifice something of your body. And we will discuss that later as we meet other characters who have gone through the gate. And so what ultimately happens is Ed is sent back. Ed realizes when he sees just Al's clothes lying on the ground that he somehow too was taken to the gate, but he didn't come back. Apparently, whereas Ed just gave away one leg, his brother gave away his entire body. So Ed sacrifices his arm in order to open the gateway again to pull his brother's soul out of the gateway and then attach his brother's soul to a suit of armor that's in their room. Edward and Alphonse are found. Edward is kind of patched up by Pinello, who is a older woman, kind of a matriarch type of character in the neighborhood, and her granddaughter, Winry, who is their childhood friend. Uh, shortly after, the, the uh, Colonel Mustang shows up. Apparently there has been rumors that the uh, there, there's a very talented alchemist in the area, he is shocked to learn not only is this alchemist a young boy, but this alchemist also attempted to open the gate, survived it, and 
was able to attach his brother's soul to a body of armor. So he is very talented. He offers him the opportunity to join the military as a state alchemist. If he does so, he will basically be given access to a lot of funds and a lot of taboo, not ta so much taboo, but forbidden alchemy research that hopefully could give him the information he needs to return he and his brother's body back to normal. He goes through uh, the exam, he passes, he gets the name Full Metal Alchemist, and now we are brought up to modern time four years later. So what was your uh, initial thoughts of the episode? Yeah, same. I mean, it was interesting. They never actually say how long they took to learn alchemy so that they could do it. But, you know, it's implied that they spent a lot of time trying to research it. And they really wanted to get it right because they, they were resilient. They really wanted to see their mom again. So they told themselves, oh, you know, there has to be a way. Like, just... Nobody's figured it out yet. It's not that it's taboo. It's not that it's impossible. It's just that nobody's figured it out. So if we just, if we keep going at it, we'll figure this out and we will be able to solve the problem. Uh, unfortunately, they weren't able to, but yeah. Uh, he is a skilled alchemist. I don't know. At this point, I don't know that they ever state that he is a state alchemist, other than the fact that he's just knowledgeable on alchemy because of all the books that he has around. Uh, it's never really hinted at that he's a state alchemist. And there there are... we Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think so. Like, there are a few other alchemists we'll see in the store in the uh, show that are actually very talented who do not go for a state alchemy because, as they mentioned, like, when you are... You know, your Mustang kind of alludes to it a little bit. Or he doesn't allude to it. He says it straight out that if you do join the military and become a state alchemist, then you are can be deployed anywhere that they need you and you have to... Uh, do military actions, which means get involved in fights, kill people, possibly die. And so I think there's probably a lot of alchemists who really enjoy alchemy, but are not really uh, keen on the idea of taking another person's life.
Yeah, that'll be interesting because, like, she must have taught them something to make them believe that it was possible. That or they probably just, you know, they were probably so desperate to believe that it could be done that maybe she gave them plenty of warnings or indications, but they just forgot it or, you know, tried to find a loophole like, well, she didn't say, she didn't really say that or she didn't mention that. Clearly, if she would have mentioned that, like, we don't know what this teacher at this point has taught them. However, that teacher at the end made them feel confident enough to where they thought that they could pull this off without error. And up to the point where they, you know, this 11 year old, 10 year old kid are actually able to properly measure out to like the microgram, how much of each element they would need to create a human body. Uh, I think, so from my expertise or my understanding, I think it's because you can't replace a soul. Uh, because we do actually see that they created something. So one thing that does happen is they do successfully create something. And it's vaguely humanoid. I don't know if I'd actually call it a human. Uh, it looks very monstrous, but it has like human features like mouth and teeth and a face and ribs but it's just in this bizarre distorted like body horror kind of morph uh kind of situation yeah possibly like clearly they created something like, they, they created something, it was alive. Granted, it seemed to have died within seconds of taking a few breaths, but it was a living thing, and yet it still just dropped down, uh, dropped dead shortly after. So maybe it was their mom without a soul. Uh, well, you know, hopefully in the few episodes, we will find out a little bit more and get some clarity on that. Because I would be curious to know what wound up happening with that body and what, you know, what was the outcome. And they kind of just gloss over it at this point. We just, we kind of see Ed seeing the, you know, 11 year old Ed seeing this monstrous body, it kind of coughing and groaning and then dying. And then that's that. So maybe, maybe it was their mom without a soul. Yeah, and that's always, you know, that's always been a very interesting thing. And you actually touched upon a good thing. I shouldn't, we should mention that Al is, or not Al, Edward is not just limping around without, with one leg and one arm. He actually has a mechanical arm and a mechanical leg. Uh, in this universe, they're called auto mail. So kind of like chain mail, but auto. Uh, apparently, 
this is a very common thing that people have you know, in this world. If you lose a limb, you can get a mechanical one, which is pretty cool. I wish we had that uh, technology today, but who knows? Maybe one day. Uh, but yeah, it's it, the the this has actually been a very interesting thing. A lot of people, and if you go to like the internet, and if you go anywhere, really, you'll just see all these people making arguments about it. What is the truth and what is the gate? And I have my own theory and I'd be curious to know what you think. But um, like one thing that I would think is the truth and the gate said exactly what they were at the beginning. They were God, the universe. They were basically everything that is and everything that ever will be kind of condensed into this little being. And truth, we it looks exactly like edward except with out a face just a mouth so it's like a silhouette of edward so it's like his own truth or it's it's should be like a facsimile of him and i think the gate is supposed to what's inside of the gate not the gate itself but the gate is supposed to represent a it's supposed to represent god and i think in this universe God is not necessarily like a sentient being, like a lot of us think of God, as much as it's just like the amalgamation of all the knowledge that exists. Um, I think that everybody has a gate, and the gate's supposed to like represent their connection to this greater knowledge of the universe, but I don't think everybody's gate opens. And I think the only way, or at least right now, the only way we see people opening the gate is through failed human transmutation. And we hear Ed say, oh, I got all of this knowledge. It feels like it's being shoved into my brain when he's flying through the gate. So I think what happens is they, when you open the gate, one of the basic things you learn, or one of the things you can learn through opening the gate is how to do alchemy without a transmutation circle. So... Uh, you know, maybe they use their own body or they use their mind or something to that effect as a transmutation circle so that they don't actually have to draw one out. Who knows? But they learn how to do that and they gain other skills. But because they tried to essentially step on God's territory in the sense that they tried to create life, which is taboo in alchemy, their punishment is that they have to give up something in order to actually gain that knowledge. So I think it's kind of like, okay, you want to be God? Let's give you some of God's power. But in exchange, we're going to forcefully take something from you. And in Ed's case, he loses his leg. Al loses his body. It's not really explained yet how or why that happens. Like they, We see that they're roughly the same size. So why did Ed lose just a leg, but Alphonse lost his whole body? I don't know. We might find out later. But I, that's just kind of my take on it. Like, it doesn't... That eyeball, the giant eyeball that you see in the gateway doesn't seem to talk or think or anything. It just kind of acts. So it's almost as if, like, they're trying to say what we think of God or what what's God in this universe is essentially just kind of a combination of all of the knowledge of the entire universe. But what was your take?
Yeah, that that was interesting. You do see, uh, like, kind of in real time as the as Edward is losing his leg, like his legs kind of like breaking down into these little pieces. They're starting to appear on the leg of Truth. So now Truth has his leg. And yeah, we never really, like they never really established if Truth is a good guy or a bad guy or if just the force of nature, like he's neutral. They just, just, that's his job. Whenever somebody shows up at the gate, he kind of torments them and then sends them through the gate and takes their limbs and that's that. They, they never really established it. We, we, you know, we learn a little bit probably later, but it does seem like, like truth is almost a gatekeeper. No pun intended for the gate. Uh, and then, you know, whenever somebody shows up the gate, they greet, he greets them and tells them what's about to happen, but kind of speaks in riddles. But he's also seems to kind of be enjoying the torture a little bit. Like he never, in terms of his voice, he never sounds like, oh, I'm, I'm sad that I'm taking this kid's body or anything. He sounds almost happy or playful about it. So it's just very, it, it's very interesting. It's almost like he exists to punish people who try to play God. Probably. Or it was really just Ed's leg, because remember, he opens the gate a second time. Yeah. To, and he gives up his arm that time to get his soul. Yep. Uh, yeah. And like one theory I have is that, like, you could say, well, why didn't he just get his whole body? I don't I think it's probably because, like, you know, equivalent exchange, he can't give up an arm for an entire body. So he gave up an arm and just got a soul. Yeah, but he also did travel through the gate and gain all that knowledge. So maybe that was something he learned how to do when he went through the gate. Yeah. Yeah, I think Mustang, I mean, Mustang's pretty sharp, and we see that a lot through the series. I think he, 
Like when he came up and he saw that transmutation circle with all the blood on it, I have a feeling through his research at some point he had come across how to do treatment transmutation. So that alchemic circle and what had happened, like he had a good idea of what was done. And then so when he saw Edward in a chair missing some limbs and then a giant suit of armor, I think he just kind of pieced everything together to figure out what had happened. Uh, but yeah, other people do not seem to know. Like we see in the first episode when they're eating at the Hughes house, they mention, you know, Al, you know, Al, why don't you take off that armor and have some dinner? And he's like, oh no, I'm fasting or whatever it was he said. So yeah, I think most people just assume that it's just a a person who prefers to wear a suit of armor everywhere. Like I my guess is that the alchemy that Ed was used to attach the soul to the body, it's probably not common at all. It's probably not something a lot of people know how to do, if any. So because it's so uncommon, I don't think a lot of people just think that it's a possibility. Like, I don't think people think, oh, yeah, that's a suit of armor that somebody attached a soul to, clearly. I think they just assume, oh, I guess it's a guy who really likes wearing armor everywhere he goes. Yeah, and it's fun because Mustang, like, they have kind of a love-hate relationship throughout the series. You, you start to pick up on, like, they don't really hate each other, but at the same time, they're not, like, best of friends either. It's a weird relationship, but it's almost like Mustang sees them as ch as his children or somebody he needs to protect, but then he has a problem letting them in or whatnot, so he just... He's rough with them. Uh, not 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 necessarily abusive, but he's just he's not the type of person. Uh, he he's not Uncle Iroh. Let's put it that way. He's not Uncle Iroh from uh, Avatar, but he's definitely not Ozai either. He's somewhere in between. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Uh, I think we're going to learn a lot more about those two and how the relationship or friendship or co-workership works moving forward. But yeah, it was definitely a great way for them to set up the the series and kind of introduce us to the characters and also some of the concepts like human transmutation, explain how Ed and Al got to the place that they are because, you know, if they, if you if we just jumped into them being a suit of armor and a person with two auto male limbs and never addressed it, it would be pretty weird. So it's nice that they kind of just got it out of the way here so that we can move forward with the show.
Exactly. Cool. Well, that wraps up that episode. Let's just go ahead and jump on a recap of episode three, City of Heresy. You want to jump into that one, Jimmy?
perfect. Yeah, that was kind of a nice episode. Well, let's start with the first episode. We kind of see them in action, but we get to see a little. Uh, we get to see a little more about uh, them in action and kind of them doing their duties. But yeah, what were your initial thoughts of the episode? Yeah, no, that 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 was really the one of the big themes of this episode was kind of like a religion versus science. Like it was clear that Ed is definitely what I guess most of us would call agnostic or atheist. He has a hard scientific mind. He even kind of mocks the religion saying, you know, oh, I can't believe in prayer. There's nothing scientific about it. And alchemy, you know, if this were any other anime or any other medium, we would just call it alchemy magic. But they strictly call it science in the Full Metal Alchemist universe. And that kind of makes sense because unlike magic, as we see in other forms of fiction, there are strictly defined rules for alchemy, such as the law of equivalent exchange, uh, you, you know, not being able to transmute human life, anything like that. It has a strict set of rules and laws that you would see in science, whereas, you know, I guess in Ed's mind, religion is kind of magic and magic doesn't exist. So, you know, Rose is on the other end of the spectrum where she is all about the religion and doctor, not doctor, Father Cornello, you know, promised her during her despair that if she is faithful, then he can bring her fallen was it her brother or her lover or something like that like she could bring him back to life and so you know she's believing him to the point that she is willing to shoot and kill edward and alphonse because father canelo tells them to like oh they're they're heretics and they're trying to lead you astray uh you know if you want to be a good member of our religion the the religion of leto then you have to kill them that's my order and you know she points the gun and she considers it and she actually does shoot but it's unknown whether she intended to or whether her finger slipped or whatever but the point of the matter is that she was willing to do it so it's just kind of this thought about it is deeper thought about religion versus science but then i find it so funny that it's after an episode where Ed, where we see Ed actually get pulled into this metaphysical space and have knowledge shoved into his brain, and yet he is still like very weird about like, oh no, religion, magic doesn't exist. Everything is scientific. Like, well, how do you explain that whole phenomena you went through? It's I found it funny.
Yeah, that's true. He is an alchemist. He understands the concept of a philosopher's stone. And so he probably already know, oh, this guy isn't a miracle worker. He's just an alchemist who's tricking everybody. And we don't really, oh, we haven't talked about it before, but in this, so the show doesn't explain what it is yet. It's actually just a very, they only say it's like a mysterious stone that allows alchemists to bypass the law of equivalent exchange. So that's all we know. And it's kind of a thing of legend. Nobody even knows if it really exists. So that's kind of why the, Ed, the Elric brothers are heading there because they've heard about these weird miracles. And yeah, this guy, he does alchemy, but he doesn't draw a transmutation circle or anything. He just kind of waves his hands and stuff happens. I mean, I think we see it like towards the end before he runs off after Ed's beaten him. Like the stone kind of goes black. Like it's a bright, brightish red at the beginning. And then it kind of just goes black and falls out of the ring and breaks and turns into dust. So I'm not even sure that it was actually a fake as much as I think that the Philosopher's Stone might have finite, finite usage. And once it runs out, it just breaks uh, because we see the exact same thing in that previous episode in episode one, where the Philosopher's Stone just breaks after X amount of usage. So I, I think it's more like I think Ed thinks it's a fake because Ed still believes in this mythology that it's supposed to be this perfect thing that is all powerful and can bypass the laws of alchemy and everything so to have it break shows that oh well it's not this perfect like he even says like oh wasn't it supposed to be a perfect thing so i think he just kind of dismisses it as a fake because in his mind a philosopher's stone is like eternal but i'm thinking like it has a finite set of use yeah yeah because i think that's what caused the rebound is that the Philosopher's Stone, as he mentions, lets you bypass the law of equivalent exchange. He can no longer, like, he's used up too much of it, so he can't bypass it anymore. So the next uh, transmutation he does results in the rebound, and that metal gun he was trying to make instead, like, bounces back and merges with his arm and kind of makes it this grotesque metal hybrid thing.
I think so. Like, I think the brothers have gone through a lot and they actually tried to bring their mother back to horrible consequences. And so they've learned to accept that at this point, she's gone for good. There's nothing that can bring her back. So when they see Rhodes kind of in the same position that they were in years prior, Ed's kind of like, because you can even see it in his eyes. He's kind of like, no, this is just the way it is. There's no bringing her back because we, you know, we knew we can't bring our mom back. And so, you know, I think he also saw in her that she was super, super into this religion and into this faith because they promised her that she can bring or that they can bring him back, bring her lover back. And she just kind of did whatever they told her to because she wanted that to happen. So he's also just saying, Hey, live your own life. You don't have to, you don't have to be what these people want you to be. You know, you don't have to do any of that. You, you, just move forward and you're stronger than you think, you know, you will get through this and continue to live your life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we also see them say, uh, we also hear them mention things like, uh, you know, she, they talk about father. Basically, it sounds like he was just a pawn in a larger scheme. And even they are pawns because they are answering to this higher authority, this this being who's given the marching orders that we have yet to meet. So yeah, it's definitely interesting to see how deep their conspiracy goes and, or how involved they are in everything and how invasive their entire, whatever that is their plan is winds up being. It would definitely, hopefully this is something we see more of in the future episodes. Exactly. Yeah. There's this, these can't possibly be the only ones that they're giving us a stone to or whatever. There's got to be other people. I mean, they even say so much and what is their greater plan? What are they trying to do? Hopefully we find out in these future episodes.
Yeah, exactly. We see that, and it's weird kind of animal thing. It somehow seems to take orders, too, which, you know, anytime somebody can successfully order an animal, I'm surprised. I'm dealing with a puppy now who doesn't always listen to me. But, yeah, I don't know if he created it to listen to or whatever, but when he says, hey, attack Ed and bite his arm and stuff, it does. And I highly doubt this is the last time we're going to see chimeras. I think we're only going to see more in the upcoming episodes, which I guess is as good as tiny time to uh, cap this episode off. Uh, and yeah, I think next time we'll talk about episodes four and five. So until then, we will see you guys later. All right.